Well, good morning, church. How are you doing today? I have the privilege to share the Word of God with you this morning, which I am really excited and super nervous. You really need to bear with me and pay attention. As you know, I was born and raised in Mexico, and I didn't learn English until I was 23 years old. So you really, really need to pay attention for what, to say, for what I have to say because my pronunciation is difficult at times. And if you don't pay attention, you'll be like, what did he say? Well, well with the grace of God, uh, and today is Pentecost Sunday, we will dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve will be back to preach in the pulpit next Sunday. Uh, okay. Let us begin by reading a passage of a scripture that is difficult to understand. And even more difficult to live, to apply. With the grace of God and the direction of the Holy Spirit, today that we celebrate Pentecost Sunday, the Lord will show us and guide us as to we consider how we consider how do we love difficult people. Those who have hurt us, those who have done wrong to us, and those whom we might say are unlovable people. Let's go to Luke chapter 6, verse 27 to 36. The word of the Lord says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you and from one who takes away your goods. Do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that for you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that for you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that for you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be the sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Wow. A difficult passage in the Bible. How many of you have a difficult person in your life? How many of you brought that difficult person with you today? Don't answer that. The first thing we need to recognize, my brothers, is that there is difficult people everywhere, at the workplace, at your home, and at church as well. Not of this church, of course, the Hispanic one. <laughs> Those people that are always right, difficult people that are always right, and no matter what you say, you're always wrong. Those who complain and whine about everything and about everyone, and no matter what you say, no matter how many Bible verses you send it to encourage them, they, you will not make them less complainers. Those who are gossipers about everything, about everyone, to anyone who will listen, 
And as much as you talk to them, they will not stop. Those who feel that they're better than others just because of their education, their social status, or the place they were born. I'll never forget a difficult person uh, a long time ago when I was recently coming to Mid-America. Uh, several years ago, I didn't speak English very well at the time. And I remember we went to a restaurant for dinner with a couple of friends. I was getting to know them. And this lady, I don't know, I, think, I don't think she did it purposely, at least I hope. But she got a cup of water and put ketchup and mustard and salt and a lot of stuff that you should not put in water, except lemon, I guess. And then she just shaked it, got a spoon and shaked it all around, and then she just passed it to me and said, you drink that, you guys drink nasty water in Mexico. Dealing with difficult people makes us feel judged, criticized, discouraged. We feel rejected. We feel drained. We feel angry. We feel depressed. And being really honest, we don't like difficult people. We don't like this type of people. They're like sandpaper because they rub you with the wrong side, the wrong way. They're like a beautiful rose, but without the rose, just stem and thorns. And just between you and me, if we could say a prayer for this type of people, it would be, Lord, would you just take them with you? I mean, relocate them, I, I mean. <laughs> if they're your boss at the workplace, Lord, would you just give him a better job so that he can go? If they're church goers, Lord, help them find a better church. You know, the Christian John Orber gives us six characteristics of when to know you have a difficult person in your life. Let's go through them really quick. First, when they call you, you get this sinking feeling and you don't want to talk to them. Second, when you are with them and after they leave, you feel completely drained and tired like burden. Third, when you are in a conversation with them, you feel artificial awkward, uncomfortable, and what you like the best about the conversation is when it's over. Fourth, you feel guilty about how you behave around them. If you see them at the store, that they're coming this way, you turn around quickly so that you don't get to see them. If you cannot avoid that, then you grab your phone. Thanks God for phones, right? And you pretend yet that you didn't see them. Fifth, after being with them, you eat more. This just happens. You just need something to eat. And six, you have private imaginary conversations on your head and you think you're crazy because you're so frustrated that when you are laying in bed, you, you, you imagine that you, are, you have them in front of you and you are talking to them how bad they are, but you just can't. So you play it only on your mind. Now, if you have identified at least half of those symptoms, I want to tell you, you definitely have a difficult person in your life. And in the passage of Scripture that we just read, Jesus just finished the Beatitudes, and then he goes on to set the standard of love as high as it can be set, as he can possibly say it. He says, Jesus is speaking here. And he says that our love for others must, must match the love of the God who is most high, who is kind to the ungrateful and evil men. Verse 35. 
He not only commands us to love those who are close to us, but he radically asks us to love those who hate us, those who curse us, those who take away what rightfully belongs to us. It appears that Jesus' words are only able to be fulfilled by himself. And this is where many of us would say, this is an impossible standard to live by. How can I bless those who curse me? How can I love those who are difficult to love and even those who damage me? But you see, the Jewish religion of the time of Jesus was such that it only considered as part of them those who thought like them, practiced the same rituals as them, and were part of their same school of thinking to the point that to those people that were not part of their group, they labeled them sinners. Not because they were sinners, for we all are sinners, but they labeled them because they were not part of their religious group. And Jesus, when he talks about this, he precisely and purposely uses this group of, quote, sinners to mention that even them love those who love them. And therefore, if religious and not religious people love those who love them, what difference is there between the two? By application today, how can someone be known as a child of God if he or she shows the same behavior that the world has towards difficult people, toward those who are unlovable? To give you a little context of the passage, Jesus use uh, the Greek word agapan for when we take our, our, our word agape, which describes, listen to this, an active feeling of benevolence towards other people. It means that no matter what others do to us, we will never allow ourselves to desire anything but their highest good. This is tough love. In the, word of William, in the words of William Barclay, one thing emerges from this. He says, the love we bear to our dear ones is something we cannot help. We speak of falling in love. It is something, it is something which happens to us. But this love towards our enemies, and I add, towards difficult people, towards the unlovable, it is not something of the heart, but it is something of the will. It is something, it is something of the will. It is something which by the grace of God we may will ourselves to do. The very essence of Christian conduct is that it consists not in refraining from bad things, but in actively doing good things, and I may add, even to those who do not deserve it. Christian life is positive. Christian thinking is positive. We as children and sons and daughters of God, we do not speak or live out our Christianity as thank to God I no longer curse, I no longer drink, I no longer do all the things that I used to do. But the Christian life does not consist on refraining from bad things, but in actively doing good things. This is how the world will come to know Jesus. So may I suggest to you this morning that 
Sometimes the person we most want God to remove from our lives is the person we need the most. Let me give you three things really quick. We need difficult people because they cause us to grow in ways we cannot on our own. Difficult people cause us to grow in ways we cannot on our own. The goal of Christian life is to produce growth, starting with one's life. David prayed. Will you read it with me? Psalm 139, 23. It says, read it with me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Sometimes God might allow different people in your life that will test your limits to produce growth that you couldn't produce on your own. For instance, if you need to develop love, then some unlovable people will be your greatest challenge. If you need to develop hope, then maintaining it in the face of discouragers will make it strong. If you want to grow in your ability to confront, then a hard-to-confront intimidator will give you serious practice. Just as lifting weights strengthens a muscle and doing cardio exercises and strengthens your heart, Difficult people can strengthen your ability to love. Let me tell you one more thing. Difficult people reveal the true conditions of our heart. John Orver says, other people don't create your spirit. They reveal your spirit. Jesus said a different way. If you allow me, Luke chapter 6 Verse 41 and in in 42. And this is what I love, the Bible, how, how Jesus addressed these things. And look how he said it. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. From time to time, God might allow difficult people, a difficult person in your life to help you reveal what's in your heart. Maybe you need to deal with your anger issues. Maybe you feel resentful towards that person it's not that they made you angry or resentful, but it has already, it, it is what's already in your heart. And God allows this different type of people to come into your life to make you uncomfortable with the purpose of making you Christ-like. God wants us to pass the test. I remember a, a few years ago attending a marriage conference with my wife with Dr. Emerson Eggridge, uh, and then he was mentioning how often when it comes to arguments, uh, we see our spouse as the problem, uh, when in reality, they might be just helping us reveal what's already inside our hearts. He was mentioning that a husband was totally convinced he could not control himself when he was angry, he was yelling at his wife, and he was yelling around our house, and he was saying, just calm down. I can't calm down because I'm upset because of you. And then he was yelling around, and then a phone call comes in, and then he picks up and says, hi, pastor, how are you doing this morning? <laughs> what happened to his anger? 
How the enemy lies to us to think that the person sometimes is the problem when God might be allowing that person to reveal what's on your heart. Christian is about growing. The Christian life is about producing maturity and becoming more Christ-like. This is what the Lord did with Abraham. When God said to Abraham, give me your only son, the, the son of the promise, the only one he had, Abraham said, yes, Lord. And you know what the story is. He brought, he brought Isaac to him, and then the Lord provided. The Lord was testing him to grow. But listen, this was the big test. God knew Abraham was going to answer yes, because he had passed every little test that he had come in his life. When he told him, leave your land and your family, Abraham said yes. When he said, go to Egypt, Abraham said yes. Every test that he passed, every, every test that he was giving, Abraham passed, and he passed until the big test came, give me your only son. What a difference from the people of Israel. When they left the land, they, they had their mind of slavery and complainers and whiners. And the Bible says in Deuteronomy that God purposely took them through the desert to test, to reveal what was in their hearts. They didn't pass the test. The first, the first test, they didn't pass it. The second test, didn't pass it. They complained and complained and complained until the big test came in. It is time to go. There is the land. And then the Lord, they sent spies and, and ten of them say, it is true. The Lord, what the Lord say, it is true. But we cannot go to that land. And you know what happened. They died. Age does not make you mature. How many years you have in the Christian church doesn't make you a Christian. Somebody said, I thank God that he allows me 30 years in the Christian life. And his, his uh, other person said, no, my brother, you have one year of Christian repeated 30 times. And the next one, it's a little difficult we are someone's difficult person. <laughs> Anyone being honest here? Have you thought that maybe, just maybe, you are a difficult person to others? <laughs> and sometimes it's because of our personality. For instance, I am a very happy person. From the very minute I open my eyes, uh, every day, this literally happens every day, when I wake up, I wake up happy. And the first thing I want to do is pray, and then I start singing and, and saying good morning to everyone. And my wife, on the contrary, it's totally different from me. When she wakes up, she doesn't want anyone, don't want to talk to anyone. No, even to me, who are her super happy, handsome husband. I can be her difficult person just because of my personality, just because of the way I am. I have learned to wake up all happy and put in my headphones. <laughs> and then I go to the bathroom. <laughs> and then after one hour has passed and she wakes up, drinks her coffee, she say. Good morning, amor. That's what we call it. I said, hey, good morning. I waited an hour and 30 minutes for you to say good morning. 
Sometimes it's because of our role. The Lord has placed you at your workplace, at a good position where people just have envy of you. Sometimes you don't seek difficult people. It's your role that brings difficult people to you. Pastor Steve told me that in a church in Kansas, a lady approached to him on his first Sunday as a pastor and came and said, good morning. Let me, I just want to tell you something. I have a real problem with authority figures, and especially, she said, with pastor. To which he replies, hi, I past, I'm Pastor Steve. And sometimes it's because the way we see things. We can be difficult because of the way we see things. We are by, se- by nature sel- selfish people. We are selfish by nature. My son, Benjamin, uh, is taking his time learning to speak. I want him to speak more and, and challenge him, say this word, and he just will not say it. He's taking his time. But the other day we were at Brown's and I took a French fry out of his basket and ate it. And he immediately said it as clear and as loud as possible. Hey, that's mine. (laughs) I didn't have to teach him how to be selfish. (laughs) So how are we to deal with difficult people? How does the Lord expect us to love the unlovable? Well, let me give you two things this morning. Number one, we are called to bear with one another. The phrase bear with one another appears only two times in the New Testament, and it is in the same context. It is in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, and Colossians 3.13. Ephesians 4, 1 and 2 says, Therefore... I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you had been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. In Colossians 3, 13, would you read it with me, church? It says, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Paul, uh, Pastor Steve spoke about forgiving last Sunday, so I won't take much time to talk on that. But I do want you to bring your attention. Notice, notice the order in which Paul, Paul writes this, these verses. He says, number one, we are called to live in a manner worthy of our calling. We are the children of God. We have the privilege to be called the children of God. Amen? 1 John 3, 1. Jesus said in his own world, you are the light of this world. Matthew 5, 14. We love everything that has to do with the practices that Jesus commanded. And we are to walk in this world in a manner worthy of our calling. We're different from the world. We have different standards And Paul says, children of God, walk this world with humility and gentleness. Humility, did you know that the word humility at the times of Jesus didn't have an appropriate English translation? 
So it was translated when Jesus spoke this word that those who work on the Bible to try to get the accurate word came up with the word lowliness. The word lowliness in the New Testament has the idea of having an accurate view of yourself. This is why when this sermon series started, Pastor Steve spoke about loving yourself the importance of having a true and accurate view of yourself. We are, it is not thinking too high, but it is not also thinking too low. In fact, genuine humility is not thinking about yourself at all. And then there is gentleness, Paul says. And the word gentle means exactly the same word meek in the Bible, which means power under control. Being gentle means that you use your power to love. That is what Jesus did. He said, I am meek. Jesus had all the power, amen? But instead of using his power to make people obey, he could have used his power to make people obey him and follow him. He was so strong that he could be meek or gentle and stand love because he was secured. The children of God, when dealing with difficult people, when dealing with, when dealing with unlovable people, who those who hurt us and, and damage us and want something, something bad things to happen to us, we are to see them with humility and power under control. This is tough love. Pastor Robert Schuller used to say in his church many, many years ago when he was alive, he said, Jesus loves you, and his church will answer, and so do I. And then he would say, be a gentle giant. The word bear with one another literally means to hold yourself back. Not in the sense that you suppress your feelings, or that you hold everything inside to build resentment? No, no, no. To hold yourself back means that you choose to be humble and have your power under control. To bear with a mean person, a difficult person, means to hold yourself back. This is what I have to do with the difficult people in my life. I have to hold myself back from what I really, really want to say. I have to hold myself back from what I like to do. I have to hold myself back from these cutting remarks that I want to say, but I know that doing so will cause more damage. The children of God use power under control and loneliness, and we hold ourselves back, for we are not the same as the world. If we do what the world does, what difference is there between the church people and unchurched people? Pastor Steve mentioned that everything about a person will make sense if we know a little bit of their story. And this is what happened to us. We tend to make stories about people in our minds based on their actions. So, for instance, let me tell you something. If you are driving on the road one day, let's say you leave the church right now and you're all happy and blessed that you came to the house of God and somebody just cuts you off on the road. 
When we see things like that, well, our mind immediately starts thinking and we start developing stories about that person that cuts us off. And then we can say, that person is a jerk. Look, he could have caused a crash on me. But the reality is, we don't know. It could be that his wife is in distress. It could be that one of his children is at the hospital and he's trying to get there as soon as possible. And when you see difficult people in your life, mean people, those people that are hurt, the enemy who is the father of lies, this is what the Bible says, he is the father of lies, come to our minds and say, no, 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 you cannot love that person. You cannot forgive that person. And then we start telling stories about this person in our minds. And when we see them, we don't see them for who they are. We see them based on the story we have told ourselves, which sometimes it's a lie. Paul says, bear with one another. Put your power under control. Hold yourself back. Though you can say many things and can do many things against them, let your Father be glorified by the way in which you live. Not only on what you say. And number two, and I know number two, I have to cut the sermon shorter because, you know, in the Hispanic culture, I can preach an hour, no problem, but here I'll get in trouble. <laughs> number two, the most distinguishing mark of a Jesus follower is to love those who would not and could not love on their own. Let me repeat that again. The most distinguishing mark of a Jesus follower is to love those who would not and could not love on their own. God has called us to have an active feeling. Again, let me repeat to you. The word agape, agape, or agape in English means to have an active feeling of benevolence towards other people. To me, to me, it means that we do not allow ourselves to wish them nothing but good things to them. But we struggle, and that's true. And that is what we need to have that distinguishing mark of Jesus. For, the, for them to know that we are children of God, it's because we love those that we couldn't love on our own if it wasn't for the help of the Holy Spirit. And there's an example of this, a beautiful example, if I may say, in Acts chapter 10, verse 13 and 16. Let me read it to you. It says, And there came a voice, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or clean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened how many times? Three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now, let me tell you this. The Bible says that Peter was, had come to this house to pray, and then he was, he was hungry. And when he was praying, it says that the blanket came from heaven. And inside that blanket, there were all kinds of animals and reptiles that the Jewish people did not eat. And when he saw that, he was wondering what was that vision about. And a voice from God 
from the Holy Spirit came and told him, Peter, get up, kill, and eat. And he said, as a good Christian, he said, no. And then the Bible says that a second time the voice came in and told him, Peter, rise, kill, and eat. And he said, to God, no. And then a third time, God's patience is amazing. That the voice came and said, Peter, rise, go ahead and kill and eat. And he said, no. It's not Paul the apostle who told him that. It's not another apostle that asked him for him to say no. It was Jesus himself in the Holy Spirit. And he told him no. It appears that everything with Peter had to happen three times. <laughs> he denied Jesus how many times? Three times. And when he was asked by Jesus, Peter, do you love me? How many times did the Lord ask him? And three times he was told, feed my sheep. And some of those sheep will bite. That, the Bible doesn't say that, but it is true. Some of those sheep will bite. Let me tell you something. He had a vision from heaven. By the time Peter was praying, he had already been baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that he had preached the word of God and about 3,000 people had been converted with his preaching. He was already leading a growing and thriving church with the apostle. They were fulfilling God's calling, but now he is confronted with his idiosyncrasy. Jesus is calling him to the Gentiles, a group of people he could not love on his own, a group of people he didn't want anything to do with. The world Gentile in the Bible does not necessarily describe who someone is, but rather someone who is not a Jewish person. There was a natural rejection of Peter towards these people. God had bigger plans for him. And he told him, do that, Peter. Take, take my word and do what I call you to do. And Peter said, no, no, no. But see, to love the unlovable... To love difficult people, to love people who hurt us, it's not a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the will. And thanks be to God that Peter was an obedient man. And even though he said no with his lips, his actions, he said yes. And the Bible says that he went with Cornelius. And when he heard Cornelius, he preached them the gospel. Cornelius was a Gentile. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit came down to them. And after all of that, read it with me, please, on Acts chapter 10, verse 34. Would you read it with me? Say, so Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. Thanks to Peter's obedience and willingness, we came to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because someone dared to love the unlovable. Someone stepped in with the spirit of lowliness. Someone walked with power under control. What can the Lord do with you 
if you are willing to exercise some tough love. Not to do what the world does, but to do what Jesus says. The most distinguishing mark of a Jesus follower is to love those who would not and could not love on their own. As we prepare our hearts this morning, Pastor Rachel has a special song, and I want to invite you that you open your communion cups at this time, and Pastor Rachel will lead us in a song. As she does that, you may close your eyes and take a moment of pray and reflect on God's words this morning. See what great love the Father has lavished on you, that we are called the children of God. He forgave us when we were unlovable. He called us when we were difficult people. He brought us back when we didn't want to come back. And now he calls us to do the same. As we participate of the elements of the bread and juice, we do so according to the gospel of Luke. Do this in remembrance of me, Jesus said. So we remember that his body was beaten for us. His body was broken for us. He was crucified for our sins. We remember today that he died to pay the penalty that we couldn't pay. We remember today that his blood was, was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. We remember that we are forgiven this morning and we are made righteous in his sight. And as we do this in remembrance of him, we know that one day we will do it with him sitting at his table. Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. In the same way, he took the cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Let's drink it together. For as, as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-six. By the grace of God, let us go and some tough love this week. Thank you so much.